Today we're on commandment number five, and it's found in Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to be looking at verse 12. If you're new to Grace Covenant, or you've missed any of the previous messages, I encourage you to check out the podcast at gracecov.org because some really neat stuff has been said in the first four weeks, right? Some perspective has been given, some context has been given from these, for these commandments. I think the most important thing that you need to know for today in terms of this context is that the Ten Commandments didn't just come down out of nowhere and God saying, relate to me through rules, Right? These Ten Commandments, though, we take them out of context and we put them all over the place and sometimes we, we look to them as, as markers. They didn't come out of the blue. They came as a part of a larger conversation that God was having with the Israelites at that time. And so uh, they were making a covenant, which is an agreement or a contract that cannot and should not ever be broken. And so he's, he's having this conversation. He's like, I want to be your God. You'll be my people. I'll make you distinct on all the earth and I'll bless you above and beyond everybody else. This is my commitment to you. And this is what it will look like for you to uphold your half of the covenant. And these are the, the 10 commandments. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing about these commands is how much God wants good things for us. And how much all of these commands line up with really having the best possible life uh, in, that, that could be imagined. He's saying, hey, don't let any other thing become your God because I'm the only God who can provide. Don't make idols and worship them because they can do nothing for you. And we know that's true because nobody's ever prayed to their car when they broke their ankle. Right? Oh, Bentley, heal my ankle. Oh, great Honda Accord, heal me from this flu, right? Nobody's ever prayed that prayer. It'd be ridiculous, but we tend to serve our cars or we serve to get our cars or to get these possessions. But the reality is that idols come up powerless and they can't do anything for us when push comes to shove. Um, I'm also surprised at how hard-headed we are as a result of sin and how much we buck against these commandments, you know, we're not much different than, than a kid who doesn't want to eat their vegetables, right? Except for these vegetables are actually pretty enjoyable. They're not, they're not bad even on the front end. Um, you know, it's like, I, I know none of your kids have ever done this and you've never felt this way. But, you know, if you got to sit down and eat a salad or you get to sit down and have chicken wings, I'm going with the chicken wings every time. Without a doubt. There's not even a quite, no hesitation at all because they taste better. Right, right now, but they're going to hurt me later. Um, but, uh, but so with salad, you know. So, but, but kids, they push against vegetables. They push against these things, and we push against these commands of God. Even though I know vegetables are good for me, I know that it's best for me. I still push against it. Even though I think somewhere on deep in our deep in our soul, we know that these commands are right, and we know that they're good. We still push against them like a kid pushing against a plate of peas, which are evidence of a fallen world. That's part of the cursed earth that happened. But um, so I, I've got a list of things. It's so funny as we, as we push against the commands of God, even though we know that they're good, even though we know that God designed us and created us on purpose and with a purpose, we know these things and we still push against. So he's saying, basically, I designed you with a purpose on purpose and, and this is how you're going to live optimally. And we're like, no, thanks. I'd rather do it my way, even if it's not optimal. And we have a habit of that with other things as, as well. And, and companies have had to adjust to our obstinance and our hard-headedness. And so they have to put really ridiculous rules on pretty common sense things. Here are some of those rules. On a can of spray paint, do not spray in your face. 
in a dishwasher manual. Do not allow children to play in the dishwasher. I guess adults can. On a toaster, do not use underwater. I mean, who hasn't been swimming and just wanted a piece of toast so bad (laughs) down there at the bottom of the five-foot section? On Sansbury peanuts, warning, contains nuts. Thanks for that. On a Mark and Spencer bread pudding, product will be hot after heating. It's kind of the point of heating. On a mattress, do not attempt to swallow. I've had some pretty realistic dreams where I've eaten food and I enjoyed that food. Never have I woken up with a piece of mattress in my mouth. On a Sears hairdryer, do not use while sleeping. You know what concerns me is that these were written for a, for a reason, probably. They probably got sued. That whole thing on the McDonald's coffee cup is because people spill coffee on their lap. And granted, the coffee was too hot and we want to make fun of the person, whatever. But it's like, yes, it's hot. It's co- you ordered hot coffee. On a blowtorch, not used for drying hair. Right? Are we serious? In, on a box of, Rowen, uh, of a Rowenta iron. Do not iron clothes on body. Now, I've done that. I'm the reason for this rule. I have done it. In fact, I've done it a lot of times. The last time I did it, there was water in the iron and it steamed me. And that was the... <laughs> that'll learn you. On a child Superman costume, wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that same kind of stupid that comes from sin doesn't just stay in our relationship with God, but it kind of stays in, in the way we interact with everything else. It's hard to probably have any kind of business nowadays. Right? Because you gotta, you're like, hey, I got this great idea. Now, how will somebody use this to sue me? Because somebody's gonna use this fork wrong. And so, what kind of warning labels do we need to put on it? Anyway, I don't intend to minimize the passage we're about to read, um, but I hope that we can see with clear eyes how much God's just trying to help us and how much this is just obvious when we, when we look at it without a bias against Him. And we look at it without a bias toward thinking that maybe God doesn't want us to have a good life, right? He doesn't want us to enjoy him. And maybe he's coming down at us with rules. I think if we can use the same kind of common sense that we look at those other rules with, if we look, if we use that same common sense and overlay it over our, our, as we look at the commandments, I think we'll see that, man, God's being extremely reasonable in this. You know, it's not like he said, I'm going to be your God and, you, and you know, you're going to be my people and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to make you distinct. You just need to fly because that would have been impossible. He didn't say, I need you to never get in an argument or never fight, I, you know, or, right? He never said these things. It's just, but these are, these are things that keep us in line. So let's look at it. It's ex- Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, just one verse. Honor your mother and father so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. These are God's words to us, God. We hear you. We hear you today. Tune our hearts to you. Tune our ears to you so that we can understand, so that we can hear well what it is that you're saying to us. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the middle schoolers and high schoolers who are in here, they're like, that's why it's Teen Sunday. My parents set me up and no that's just providence that's god you know just god just teeing things up when i realized it was teen sunday i was like y'all are in trouble 
Um, in the book of Ephesians, Paul's giving instructions to a church in Ephesus about how people should relate to each other. They had been under a religious law and a religious order for so long that they felt like if I follow all of these rules, then God, then I'll make myself pleasing to God. That's what religion does. It's like I build myself up to a place where maybe I could be pleasing to God. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Stop striving to be perfect. Stop striving to, to do these things. Come to me. I'll forgive your weaknesses. Don't stop trying to, to honor God. Don't, don't stop striving for righteousness, but just find your righteousness in me and find your purpose in me and find your person in me. Hide in the shadow of me and I'll make you righteous and I'll connect you to the Father. Right? So this is happening. And, but as a result of this, sometimes people were like, well, I'm free from the law. I can do anything that I want now. I can, I can run off. I can eat what I want to eat. I can do what I want to do. Have you ever had, you know, maybe that attitude a little bit in yourself? You're like, I'm going to do this. I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Right? Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I'm not trying to corrupt you today. I, I don't want to make stuff up that you've never heard before right? But it's like, sometimes we act that way with God. It's like, oh, okay, so I'll go to a club tonight and God will forgive me in the morning. That's not how grace works. That's not what God intended to provide for us when, when Jesus Christ died in our place and rose from the dead. That's not what he was making an allowance for. Um, so, so Paul is instructing this church at Ephesus about how families should relate to each other and how they should interact with one another. And he's saying, children, Honor your parents. And he takes it all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, verse, uh, verse 12. And Paul basically recites it. And he's like, you're not off the hook just because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. We're, we're held to the same thing. While our forgiveness and our acceptance and our righteousness and our purity is found in Jesus alone, these are still proper guidelines for us for, for our reasonable life. He says, honor your, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and so that you may live long on the earth. Paul makes, he quotes Exodus 20, 12, and then in the inside he made that observation, which is the first commandment with a promise. The first four commandments have dealt with our relationship to God. How do we walk with him? How do we know him? How do we talk to him? How do we relate to him? Who is he to us? And who are we to him? And then today we make this turn. And for these last six commandments, we're going to see that God is telling us how we're going to deal with one another and how we're going to relate to one another. The truth of the matter is how we relate to one another is a reflection of how much we love God and how we are loved by God. And that's why it's in this order. He didn't put the people first and then himself. He put himself first and then the people it's almost like we, if you think you can relate well with God, but you don't relate to people very well, you're not relating to God as well as you think you are, right? And that's why God will put people who are different than you in your life. And that's why God will, you know, put you, you know, put you at angst with those people in your workplace or the people even here in, the, in, in our church to let you know that you're not quite there yet and also to help get you there. So we see this, this turn from relating just to God to now relating to people, but with, with it being an overflow of how we relate to God. And he starts with parents. 
He didn't start with friends. He didn't start with heart motivation. He didn't start with any of these other things. He started with parents. And I think that's because no other person on the face of the earth belongs in that, that hinge, that kind of that access point between heaven and earth, but your parents. Mom and dad are that access point. They're the assigned people by God himself for you to care for you and to provide for you and to show you a little bit of what, uh, a little glimpse of the love that our heavenly father has for us, a glimpse of the provision that our heavenly father has for you, a glimpse of the protection that the, the, the heavenly father has for you. That's where mom and dad are. They're at this access point. They brought you into this world. And a famous comedian used to say, and they could take you out. But they brought you into this world and they provided for you and cared for you when you did nothing for them. Right? Like we think we're something because we forget that all we did is make mom uncomfortable for nine, ten months. Right? And then we just mooched off her for another year. And then, right? And then, you know, then it's into the pocket. Right? For Forever. Right? But we're like, I'm significant. Give me stuff. I deserve things. Like, you don't deserve anything. But I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to care for you anyway. I'm going to protect you anyway because you're mine. I don't have a bad attitude about kids. I'm just wondering if maybe somebody else has felt that way. Um, So we've got this command. Honor your father and mother. The word here for, for honor means to give weight to, to respect. We need to respect both the position that they have because it was given to us by God. See, there's that intersection. It's not just relating to mom and dad. It's not just relating to them, but it's relating to God because God put them there. And God puts you there underneath them. We need to respect that position of authority that they've been given. We also need to respect the function that they've been given. Now, the function isn't just to be your best friend. Middle school or high schoolers say, well, my parents are doing a bad job of that anyway. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad your parents are doing a bad job of being your best friend because that's not what they're there for. It's to train you up. It's to give you responsibility probably before you can, you can bear it. I remember one time uh, Megan was out of town and for just a couple days and, and they came back and the, she came back and my kids ran to her this was a couple years ago. And, and um, my kids were so happy to see mom. <laughs> and I was so happy to see mom. I, I mean, I was like, I'll never do this to you again. I'll never, what, what do I need to do? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Actually, I've got a habit of texting Megan and being like, you have no idea how hard it is to put four kids to sleep. Because she does it most of the time. And then when I do it, I want to die. But, uh, but they came home and they, it was so funny. They, they all ran to mom and they're like, he treats us like fifth graders. You know, because they were like third grade and younger. And, you know, it was like, it's like I was tortured. I'm like, you can make your own breakfast. You know, or whatever it was. But I was treating them like fifth graders. I was putting more on them than they, than they wanted to handle because I knew that they could handle it. They needed to respect my function. Honor me, kids. I'm doing my job.
we need to respect the place that God has put them in and we need to understand the place that God has put us in. Right? And we need to give weight to mom and dad. When we hear them, we can't just blow them off. Teenagers, don't blow off your parents. I know it's impossible to hear your parents with clear eyes. Somebody else would tell me something my parents said and it always sounded better. Always sounded better. I'm thankful for Keith Temple, Roy Watts, and J.C. Sherrod because they just said what my parents said in a way that I wanted to hear it. Mostly because they weren't my parents. I remember Pastor Duke Bendix would call me on the phone and tell me the same exact thing my parents heard and I didn't want to admit it, so I didn't. I'm like, Pastor Duke, if somebody would have just told me this, it would have been okay. And I'm sure my parents are going, boy. (laughs) Now, all of you had parents who weren't perfect. Mine were perfect because they're in the room. And (laughs) (laughs) But I know your parents weren't perfect, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I understand that that makes it hard to give honor and give weight to and to respect. Especially, you know what the problem is with your parents, teenagers? Is your parents are people too. And that's one of the bubbles that's going to have to pop in your life when you realize that your parents are people too. Because there's some like, they're like unicorns, right? They're they're magical. And my, my kids don't know that we sleep. No, check it out. Check it out. I realized that, you know, you got a kid in a crib in the next room, right? You're awake when you put them down and you're awake when you leave. The kid has no idea you ever went to sleep. And all they have to do is scream and you're going to walk in from the party that you're having because you're ripping them off when they sleep. You're having a party. That's what happens when parents sleep. You're having a party. And then they're like, hey, come get me. I want to be in the party. And then you walk in and you're awake again. And you're mad because they took you away from the party. When I realized that our two and a half year old doesn't know that we sleep, it helped me. Because all she ever saw was us awake. Kind of weird, huh? But that idea that mom and dad never sleep actually doesn't ever go away completely. And you're going to realize that some of the quirks that your parents have are because they're people and they're sinners too. And when we can recognize that about our parents, it brings us into a place where we can understand and we can forgive our parents for their shortcomings. I know it's hard to hear mom and dad, but you got to honor and give weight to the position and the function of mom and dad. So we've, um, so we have, if I was a motivational speaker, I would call this the opportunity, but I'm calling it the challenge. (laughs) The challenge is just that. Parents are people too. And parents, we need to remember that our kids are people too. And you made them. (laughs) All that sin, that's yours. If God had made them (laughs) on his own, they wouldn't be sitting like they are, exactly like you did. I found that some of the things that my kids do are really, I, I hate it so much because it's exactly what I do. That's why it grates against me. That person at work that you don't like so much is probably because they're a lot like you. That's a different idea altogether. The command doesn't say honor your mother and father if they were perfect. Honor your father and mother if they give you everything that you want. Honor your mother and father if they never stumble or make a mistake or fail. 
It doesn't say any of that. It just says, honor your mother and father. This is going to require of you patience. We're all children. This is going to require of you forgiveness. It stinks you got to forgive your parents, right? Your parents have been telling you to apologize to them forever. Say you're sorry. I forgive you. Say you're sorry. I forgive you. Say you're sorry. I forgive you. Right? But this is your opportunity to forgive your parents. And that's going to require a level of digging in and humility. And I'm asking teenagers, I'm asking you to do a hard thing. I, I mean, I remember when the bubble popped and I realized that my parents were, were people. It was late. It was late. I was in probably college. That's when we turned back around. Can I, can I give you a shortcut, teenagers? Let me give you a shortcut. And I know you're not going to believe me, and you can choose to take it or not. You can, there's, this, there's this trajectory that we go on in life where, you know, mom and dad are magical, and they don't sleep. That's until you're about three. And then you turn three, and now mom and dad sleep too much, and it's inconvenient to you because you want breakfast, right? And then... <laughs> And you're tired at night, you're cranky. And then, so there's that period. And then you cross this threshold. I don't know, it, it, it's kind of a, a crossfade. It's a slow crossfade of mom and dad being perfect and magical and never making a mistake to mom and dad not knowing anything and being complete idiots, right? And that happens right about, I think we call them tweens now. So, so and, then, and then what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to listen to them but want to ignore them. And then you're going you're to keep going. And then you're going to get into college and you're going to start realizing that it's a little harder than you thought it was. And then, and then you're going to you know, get out of college and you're going to realize, how did anybody ever navigate these waters ever before in the history of man? This is chaotic. And then you're going to get married or have kids or and have kids or you're gonna, you know, whatever that next step is for you. Well, not kids and then married, right? We believe in married and then kids. That's, the, that's our goal. But I was, I was trying to say you might get married and not have kids right away. Either way, marriage will drive you to your knees. It'll drive you to your knees. My wife is perfect too. I've had no trouble in my life at all. My parents are perfect. My wife is perfect. I just saw my wife go through this process where she realized by watching me like, oh man, life's harder than I thought it was. And then you're like, hey, my parents aren't so dumb after all. So you could save yourself about a 12-year journey. If you just be like, mom and dad, I don't agree with you all the time. And I, and I, I know you, you make mistakes sometimes. And I know I think I'm more right than you are. But I'm going to listen to you. I'm just trying to help you. And your parents aren't, aren't paying me for this. I'm really, I would not be against it if you. But, but right? So don't worry, teenagers. Your side's coming in just a minute because there's another side to this. And all the teenagers said, amen. Ching, here we go. Give it to my parents. Right? But take that shortcut and just start forgiving them and honoring them now as people. Because you're going to realize later. Like, do it before you realize that you need it. Right? Okay. You guys are making me work hard, teenagers. Um, here's, the, here's the flip side of this. Mom and dad. Dad and mom. Your responsibility is to the best of your ability. Live in such a way that this honor is easy to give. Yeah. Yeah. Live in such a way that it's easy 
to give weight to what it is that you're offering them. That's our responsibility in this as parents. And I know that's equally as hard. As parents, teenagers, well, I'll go back to you. We're tired, cranky, works hard. And that makes it all the harder to be an example and to be still water for you. It makes it hard for us to be patient because we forget that you're people too. I don't know if you've, if, if you've had these moments, parents, where you step back and you realize how big your kid is or how smart your kid is. Or you have a, re- a, a moment where you realize that your kid's a kid. You ever do that? I do that with even my youngest one. Right? Where it's like, I see a whole bunch of little kids running around and I'm like, look at those little babies. And then my kid will run up and I'll be like, oh, my kid's a baby. <laughs> right? Like you relate to them like they're big people. And sometimes we put more on them than... They can handle because we don't realize they can't handle more. But parents, it's our job to live in a way that makes this honoring from our children easier. Paul tells parents, he's like, don't exi- fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't drive them nuts. Every parent, every family has different reasons that family life would be hard. Every father and mother faces challenges that makes it hard to be still water for your kids and makes it difficult to live in a way that it's easy for your kids to honor you. Some keys to this, parents. I would encourage you to repent to your kids and apologize when you can. When you mess up, model repentance for them because you're going to be the place where they're going to learn it. So when you're, when you're cra- harsh with your kid in a way that was too harsh, right? No, the harshness is not, you know, discipline doesn't have to be explosive, right? In fact, sometimes, sometimes, well, I do what I can to not be explosive when there's discipline. And if I feel explosive, I'll hold off on discipline. Because I don't want my kids to think that dad's going to fly off the handle or he's he's a loose cannon when he brings discipline because that's not the way that God deals with you. God deals with you patiently, gently, generously, graciously, mercifully. And those are probably great guidelines for us to deal with our kids, to discipline our kids. We can model repentance by apologizing to them, repenting to them, inviting them into our life and inviting them to come up alongside of us. I think parents, no, I don't think, I know parents, your primary responsibility is to disciple your kids. It's not somebody else's. We've got a great kid builder program for, you know, nursery up to fifth grade. And then we've got 180 for sixth through 12th grade. But it's not their responsibility to pastor, to, to shepherd and disciple your children. They're coming up alongside of you to help do that. It's your responsibility. And it's hard to, it's hard to read a Bible verse with your kid after you've just flown off the handle. Isn't it? Like, I'd rather not read you the Bible. And then you're like... <laughs> 
<laughs> and then you're like, okay, there's something probably wrong with that feeling that I should probably repent and make this right with you. Um, so we've got this, we've got this challenge. You know, so it's amazing how much forgiveness is required to live together, isn't it? There's a reward in this, and that's that your days will be long. It speaks to prolonged days and prosperity and blessing. There's no doubt in my mind a a spiritual blessing that comes from God because he honors any time that we obey him and any time that we uh, respect him and revere him and walk in line with his will when when we obey God. There's a blessing that he commands to us. But you know, there are also natural blessings to this as well. There are natural benefits to, to living in a way that's honoring to your parents because um, in, the alternative is that we don't honor them. And the alternative to, to honoring them is that we hold a grudge against them and that we don't forgive them. And then we walk around with the stress and the weight of unforgiveness. And we walk around with the stress and the weight of, 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 of a grudge. And that kills only you. And it shuts off your heart. It shuts off your mind. It shuts off your body from the blessing that your parents were designed and intended to be. Now I understand that some of you come from, some of us come from broken homes. And dad was never in the picture and mom was never in the picture. Or mom was never in the picture. Some of you you wish that dad had never been in the picture or that mom was never in the picture because it's been so harsh or so difficult or so hard. And so in these places, that's where we don't, we don't forgive and we don't honor because we, out of the horizontal relationship, it's out of response to the vertical relationship. It's out of response to God's love for you. When you didn't deserve to be forgiven, he forgave you. When you didn't deserve, quote, to be loved, he loved you. And there's so much forgiveness and love and mercy that it begins to flow up and out and it allows you to release the people who don't otherwise deserve your forgiveness, your love, or your mercy. Does that make sense? I know this is, this is a hard thing to do because, because we're like, but they messed me over. They messed me up. God gave them a position. And he gave you a command. And he promises a reward. So there's the spiritual blessing that comes and then the natural benefits of, of living a life that's not full of grudges, it's not full of unforgiveness. You're living a free life. You know, it's funny how sometimes you can get so used to walking with shackles on, you forget that they're shackles until the weight gets heavy and those shackles are revealed and you're like, I thought I already got past this. One of the elders in the church met with me two weeks ago and we were talking about some stuff and he goes, you need to forgive. And I was like, forgive what? 
And I had just preached a message at the Wednesday night service. So it was Wednesday night I preached a message about forgiving. And then Thursday, he's like, you need to forgive. And I'm like, I don't like this <laughs> idea at all. I thought I had forgiven in this area of my life. I thought I had moved away from it. Well, I had moved away from it. I hadn't fully forgiven, I guess is what the problem was. But I didn't realize that I had shackles on because I was able to function pretty well with the weight that I was carrying. But when the weight that I was carrying increased and I had to kind of spread out to get under it, I couldn't move my feet. And it darn near toppled me. Darn near. That's a redneck for almost. But... But when the weight came on, you know, you got to kind of, you got to be able to shoulder the weight of something. You got to be able to stand up under the weight and you got to broaden yourself to be able to take it on. And I couldn't take it on because I had shackles of unforgiveness on me. So I wasn't able to bear it. And man, I haven't had an opportunity to have a conversation with the person that we were talking about, but I have had the opportunity to release some things in my heart. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, the birds are singing. The sun is out. You know, even if it's raining, I'm like, man, it's beautiful rain. This is beautiful heat wave. <laughs> you know the feel, you know, when you just release this burden from your life and you're like, oh, I can breathe. It's the natural blessing that comes, that comes through this. Um, I feel like this is a, I feel like this is a, a tough message for us because we would rather not forgive our parents, we would rather not honor our parents. And um, we'd rather, you, we feel justified in our position of not forgiving, don't we? We feel justified for not honoring. Well, they said that crazy thing. They did that crazy stuff. They don't even know how to work technology. Can't use the remote control to figure this out. Can't use Facebook, right? You know? Whatever your thing is, right? Whatever reason that you've created in your mind to justify unforgiveness. So I was just thinking it might be, it might be beneficial for us to all repent together and forgive together. And then we're going to do the last hardest thing and we're going to ask God to give us opportunity to honor our parents. I know that some of you, your parents are no longer here but you can still make things right in your own soul. And our responsibility to in this is to God. Anyway. So it's not like, oh, it's too late. My, my father passed away. God's still alive and well. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. He rose from the dead. And that's who our commitment is to. That's who this covenant is with. So, uh, and then, and then, you know, I would encourage just as a follow-up so I don't forget to say it. As a follow-up, um, it might be a real great opportunity to have a conversation with your, with your, with your kids, especially parents of teenagers. And teenagers, you can act like you don't hear any of this, but I know you hear it. <laughs> parents, I'm kind of putting you on the hook right now, right? Because like I'm telling you to have a conversation with your kids and apologize for where you've fallen and faltered, right, in front of your kids. That's not fair. You can't even deny it. And teenagers, I'm giving you an opportunity after this to also tell your parents, be like, man, I'm sorry. I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I don't want to honor you. But I'm going to do my 
darndest. There's another. <laughs> what did I listen to this week? I took a week off this week and I, I built a porch. Maybe that's just being out in the sun, swinging a hammer, just. Yee-hoo! <laughs> All right, so let's, let's do this together. Are you good for this? Yeah. JC, should we have them stand up? Yeah. Should we do it? Okay, everybody stand up. This way nobody knows if you're not doing it. <laughs> we're all going to assume you're doing it. So we're going to think the best of you. Hey, look, it's not about just a one-time prayer moment right now. It's, it's not. This is a decision that if you, if you have the courage to make it right now, if you're willing to obey and do this, obey God, not me. If you're, if you're willing to do this in this moment, if God's calling you to, to, to repent of being non-honoring, dishonoring, um, if you have the courage to do it now, it's a decision that you're going to make tomorrow also. Amen. And it's a decision that you're going to make also on Tuesday. And you're going to find that there are going to be more and more opportunities. And you're going to find that there's a process in this. Now, what's happening right now is the, the chains have been broken. We're just shaking them off. Jesus broke the chains. Right now, we're just shaking them off. But they're going to kind of creep back up and try and climb on you. And then when they do, you're just like, hey, I, I, I recognize this. And so we're, we're developing the muscles to shake these things off, okay? So you can just pray with me in your own, in, in your own kind of under your breath or, or however you want. And I'm just going to pray out loud and you can stand in agreement with this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we repent. For those of you that don't know, repentance means that I'm turning from the way that I've been going and I'm turning towards you towards God, towards his plan and his purpose. So God, we, we turn from harboring resentment. We turn from acting pridefully and acting in the way that we think is right. We repent for making up excuses to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness towards our parents. As parents, God, we repent for ways that we have been an obstacle to our children being able to honor us without obstacle, to honor us with ease. God, I ask that you would cleanse the stream of our mouth. You would cleanse the stream of our heart. You would cleanse the stream of our souls so that we could be pleasant to our children so that we could be still water. And that there would be a relative ease, God. There would be a grace for our children to honor us. God, we hear you today telling us to honor our parents. And God, in this moment, that command seems nearly impossible for some of us because dad wasn't there or dad was abusive or dad let something happen or mom wasn't there mom was abusive or mom let something happen God today we choose to forgive 
to release dad and mom from the jail cell of unforgiveness that resides in our heart. Not on the basis of them deserving, but on the basis of what you have done for us. On the basis of your forgiveness and your love that you've shown us so generously and so lavishly when we don't deserve it. God, lastly, I pray that you would give us the courage to to honor and to give weight to the position and the function of the parents that you gave us. Because in doing so, you are honored and you are glorified and you are lifted up. we thank you that this command comes with a blessing. Uh, the, 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 the blessing that, that we can know you, the, the blessing of closeness to you. There's a blessing of a prolonged life. And there is a land that you're giving us possession of. Help us to honor our parents, God. Help us to honor you. Teach us to love one another because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.